0: the blast from our past network
1: I do not like the men on this spaceship they are uncouth and fail to appreciate my better qualities I have something of value to contribute to this mission if they would only recognize it today over lunch I tried to improve morale and build a sense of camaraderie among the men by holding a humorous round-robin discussion of the early days of the mission My overtures were brutally rejected. These men do not want a happy ship. They are deeply sick and try to compensate by making me feel miserable. Last week was my birthday. Nobody even said happy birthday to me. Someday this tape will be played, and then they'll be sorry. (coughs)
0: talking back hello everybody welcome to talking back i'm your host tim uh i almost said dean (laughs) wow that would have been weird
1: that would have been weird flip-flop
0: i was already looking ahead to introducing you and i almost called me you i could be tim for this one I'm if Tim. You wanted to try being me. <laughs> Dean is here as well. Hey Dean. Hey. Hey Tim. This week we're checking out the very first movie ever made from our beloved director John Carpenter.
1: Fun. I'm happy anytime we get to talk John Carpenter.
0: No kidding. Um am I allowed to say and is it an accurate description for me to say that John Carpenter is both of our favorite directors?
1: I think yes. I mean, you can speak for yourself, (laughs) but I think... Well, um, I know for myself. I'm trying to speak (laughs) for you as well. yes. I think I would have to say yes. I think there's like a Christopher Nolan factor that's very close for me, but uh, I feel like it's Carpenter.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that long and hard today and I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I think it is. I think it is. I don't know. I, I I want to live in the world that he creates. For sure. Yeah. They're terrifying and yet extremely comfortable somehow.
1: Yeah. He's got like 18 movies or something like that. And I like them all. Like even ones that are considered bad, I still like, like them and have fun with them and like the world that he's creating. So I think that it's just, yeah, he's my favorite. I... I mean, 18 movies and I like them all. That's pretty solid.
0: It's pretty good, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, his first movie and what we're covering today is called Dark Star. Now, this is my first viewing, so this was really exciting for me. Cool. Not at all what I was expecting. Right. I was completely fascinated from start to finish. Yes. Um, I got sucked in within the first five seconds and the movie, like, never let go. This was a real treat for me to watch.
1: Awesome. That's such a, yeah, that, that's so cool to hear. I was thinking on this watch, this is my third time viewing it, I believe. And I was thinking on this watch, uh, I, Tim's going to like this. I think Tim's going to be into this. this oh, is yeah. uh It's very interesting. It's very funny. Uh, very cool first movie to
0: make. Carpenter's just, like, he has such charm in his movies. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And like, there's this specific atmosphere that he creates and it was really interesting to go back and see this movie and kind of see where it all began. Because yeah. this movie, it has everything that makes his other movies great in it. Now, he, he like grew as a director and added new things. But like what, what I love about John Carpenter, this movie is just like reeking of. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree. Like the humor in it, it, like over a lot of his movies, he's like going to become to known as like the the king of horror. You know, he's going to be known for all, all of his horror movies, but all those still have that element of humor in them. And it's this, uh, it's like this dry humor that is just like this whole movie has throughout the entire thing. This like weird, dark, dry stuff um, where it's like. Uh, your characters are kind of doomed and that's, what's funny. Um, and yeah, that you can just see that throughout so many of his other movies. And it's such a, uh, yeah, it's such a thing that, uh, that he just continues on with. You see it right here for the first thing and he continues on
0: with it for years and years and years. Yes. Agreed. So a couple people had their hands all over this movie. Obviously one of them was John Carpenter. The other is Dan O'Bannon. Now, Carpenter would produce, direct, help write, and he would do the music. And O'Bannon, he would help write. He edits the movie. He's the production designer. He's the visual effects supervisor. And he stars in it. Yeah, and he steals the show. <laughs> I love I love when people have their hands like just all over a movie. They just yeah. make it exactly how they want it to be.
1: Yeah, for sure. These are the types of movies that make you want to make movies. You know, you see like, oh man, they did everything here. They just did it all themselves. And it's like I well, I want to do that.
0: Yeah, this made me want to make a movie. And then I thought yeah. I would never make anything even remotely close to how good this movie is, so fuck it. I'm not gonna yeah, make me a movie. Either. Yeah, no way. Yeah. What? Make a movie just so I can see how much I suck and how <laughs> like bad it is compared to John Carpenter's right. movie.
1: Right. Just so some, some podcast could cover it and just rip into it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we can guest on some shit podcast that nobody listens <laughs> to and tell them about the movie we made. Not our podcast, but some, someone else would have us on as guests.
1: Yeah. Someone else. And then they'd tell us how much they didn't like it and they'd, t- they'd ask us to explain why it sucks. Right.
0: On our podcast, we'd talk about it and that's where we would lose the few remaining listeners that we have left. Right. Right. They'd eject. I could have, like, five times the budget of this movie and make nothing remotely close to how good this is. Yeah, for sure. They're they're. uh, Hey, what do you mean for sure? What do you mean for sure? You're supposed to come in there with, with, uh, hey, no, Tim, you really really could do something good if you had a a budget five times the size of this one. You could make a really good movie. You're just right away like, yeah, no, you couldn't. No, for sure. No, you wouldn't. You would do nothing. Hey, don't mind my brother, eh? He's drunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he likes to make movies, but he's drunk so much of the time that he doesn't know where the camera is.
1: <laughs> uh, Yeah. Hey, Sorry, Tim. Hey, some
0: jellies. Jo- just someone get some jelly donuts in here real quick.
1: Hey, it sounds like a good, uh, it's a fun, it would be a fun set, Tim. That's for sure. Well, that's <laughs> the problem. Uh, All our, our, yeah. our budget
0: yeah. would be blown on jelly donuts and beer. For sure. Yeah. Yeah
1: uh sorry i didn't have faith in you
0: that's okay i kind of i feel like i like led you into that one a little bit
1: i think so yeah i was, I was kind of speaking more for myself but uh i also haven't seen any oh, of your movie output before dear. so
0: i disagree i think if you had a big budget you could make a tremendous movie far better than this oh, well, one wow john thanks. who thanks, john who no dean Oh, I see. Dean Carpenter. That's so,
1: okay, so that's what I was supposed to do for you, was come in like that and pump yeah, you up. Okay, I, I got it. I got it. Uh, take it again from the top. <laughs>
0: yeah. Now we don't have time to take it from the top again. Um, we're just going to keep going. So, Dark Star begins as a student film, which was eventually expanded into a feature-length film, and the movie landed in theaters where it would play on and off for several years, in fact. Oh, wow. And then eventually Dark Star would hit cult status and be released on VHS, Laserdisc, DVD, and Blu-ray. And Dean, what is it about this movie that you think allowed it to hit cult status?
1: What is it about this movie that allowed it to hit cult status? uh it's fun ideas
0: okay cool yeah yeah it's I think like, it hit
1: pr- it I think when you look back on it so occult status is like you know something that like later you gain a bunch of fans so I think it could be one that was easily missed um early on and then gains a lot of fans after you know alien so Dan O'Bannon writing alien um kind of similar Uh, vibe with the working in space. And then, you know, Carpenter, a lot of his movies hit cult status later on as people were getting into like the VHS's and renting them. They got really into Carpenter movies. And I think maybe that's where you would go back and check out his first movie and be like, Oh, well, this is great. All the, all the stuff in here is really cool. It's interesting. Um, there's some like just great concepts, science fiction concepts in here that happened before star Wars that happened before alien. Um, right, so yeah. I, yeah, I think that just like revisiting it would be what I think would gain it that popularity.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because I think the quality is there. I think it just took a while for people to notice it. Um, And at the same time, it's low budget. So usually low budget movies, you know, if they're good, they'll land in the cult status. They're not like big blockbusters or anything like that. Um, Yeah, about the ideas. You mentioned ideas. That was something that also popped in my head as I was watching is it's full of unique and interesting ideas. Yeah. And... At times I felt like there were so many different scenes that if you put all the scenes into a hat, if you numbered each scene, put them into a hat and drew them out and re-edited the movie, the movie would feel very similar to what we actually saw. Because there's a lot of just unique one-off ideas where they'll shoot a scene and that's it. It doesn't have anything to do with the story doesn't have anything to do with anything else. It's just a random scene, but it creates that amazing Carpenter atmosphere. Uh, now I know the, sh- the, the movie was shot in chunks. Like there was the student film version where Carpenter had like $1,000 and he shot like 40 minutes of it. And then a year later or something, uh, someone watched it and was like, oh, this is great. We're going to give you like $60,000 to make another 50 minutes so it can be a feature film and then they do reshoots after that so you kind of have like various different sittings yeah so you've got the first carpenter student film then you've got additional stuff um and it's tough to like tie that storyline all the way through and i don't even think they really tried all that hard because the early stuff is stuff on uh, the ship with the guys um the additional budget got them all of the stuff with the um the ship mascot if you will uh, okay, that was yeah. all additional stuff so that carpenter right. didn't have that in mind ahead of time so you kind of have like a couple different sittings and ideas being put into this movie and then they tried to edit it all together to be one you, you know like um um Oh fuck! This is where this is the part of the podcast where I can't think of a word. One, uh, it's one cohesive movie, but yeah. it wasn't shot that way. It it felt like a lot of ideas. I think that's what. Yeah, for sure. What I'm yeah. what I'm circling back to is the ideas. So, uh, it felt like a lot of ideas because there were a lot of ideas. Uh, ideas. <laughs> <laughs> There's a hey, lot of ideas uh, the, in this one. Uh, jelly donuts, and then I could come up with some good ideas about what we should do after that. Uh, they, oh, uh, 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 never mind. Uh, it, it, yeah, so it's like they did have multiple ideas, right? Yeah. I probably yeah. could have said that in like 10 seconds, but I expanded it yeah. for everyone. I was like, hey, let me take you on a, a verbal journey of this movie and how it You'd- was created.
1: You did a great job, Tim. You said, the first, you said the first 15 seconds of what you said, and I said, I like that. Here's $60,000 to say it in two and a half minutes. <laughs> Thanks, Dean.
0: Yeah. That was great. Yeah. I really thought the, uh, the opening of the movie was interesting, and yeah. it's because someone from back home is sending a communication to these men on this ship, the Dark Star. But this guy... He's very, very clean cut. He's he's very handsome. His hair is perfect. Um, The footage is all in black and white. He's very well spoken. And what we'll come to learn is that this is very opposite of the rest of the movie and like the characters that we have on the ship because they've been out in space for so long. These guys haven't shaved. They haven't cut their hair. They look like, you know, I don't know, hippies or something. And in the movie, everything is in color and magnificent color at that. So I thought it was a really interesting way to start the movie and to show the difference between back home on Earth and what that might look like and where these guys have gotten to after so many years out in space.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think like... Uh, Just to stick with kind of the carpenter themes, he's always, you know, a stick it to the man type guy. Uh, This movie is like uh, your office job, but in space. Like what if, what if work was in space and uh, you had to clock in and clock out, uh, you know, just on a ship with everyone. And uh, this guy is the boss, you know, that's what I get right away is like, oh, okay, this guy communicating is the boss and he's going to like tell you what to do. And it just felt so much like, like, you know, you request something from the boss and the boss is like, okay, you know, I get you really, really need this. Um, I understand my sympathies go out to you, but uh, no, we're going to have to decline that. And just like this, like you said, you were kind of drawn in right away. This pulls me in right away where they say it takes 10 years for the transmissions to get there and they're like oh sorry to hear that your captain's dead and it was because of this like whatever poisoning uh, I see that you've requested like some some shielding they for want that. a radiation uh, shield Yeah, radiation shield we're gonna have to decline that we get it like someone's already died and they're like we get it Um, but uh, yeah that's a decline and that's gonna come to them like 10 20 years later they're gonna know that they got declined of the radiation so it just really <laughs> <laughs> felt like yeah. it was like you know just you you can't you can't gain any ground with that boss no matter how much you're in his ear telling him oh, that you need this thing you need this next thing he's just going to be there in his like clean cut suit on the camera and be like yeah i get you but uh nope can't do it
0: <laughs> yeah and then the boss is just like oh you should see what's happening in government back here like if you guys only yeah. knew they're making so right. many cuts to everything And it's hilarious. Like, these guys are out in space, risking their lives. And this guy's just like, budget cuts. We wish we could do this. We wish we could give you the thing you need to to help you survive. But we can't. It's funny. Shout out to Year of uh, Time Travel. Because this movie makes mention of time travel very subtly. I thought it was very, very nice. One of the guys says, "Um, they've been in space for 20 years. But they've only aged three,
1: right and yeah, that's all cool. there is
0: to it, but that plays on the idea of the faster you travel, the slower time goes so i right, I love yeah, that as just like a a one off line that they they yeah. don't do anything with but is pretty accurate,
1: yeah. Oh, so that, uh, so since they've been in space for 20 years, that transmission is like the first transmission they've ever got from Earth because it takes 10 years to send the transmission. So I feel like maybe that's like the first answer they've ever gotten back was that one video.
0: Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Now, for me, I would have to say that the, the, the main story focuses on the ship's smart bomb that gets damaged in this asteroid storm and then it continues to think that it needs to detonate when it doesn't need to detonate, yeah. which is pretty funny. I think a secondary story is, is the ship's mascot, like that creature that's kind of hunting down one of the guys. And yeah. then I think the third story kind of going um, is also like how people deal with space travel and being like, like, what would happen to the psyche after 20 years of being in space? So yeah. for me, those were kind of like the three storylines I was picking up on. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- th- I loved the bomb idea because this is something that um, they uh, took from they took from this idea uh, for a Star Trek Voyager episode, and I didn't realize until seeing this movie, but okay, um, same idea, like this, um, th- they come across a sentient bomb that wants to finish its mission and it's actually more powerful than them. And they just don't want it to detonate. Uh, it's called warhead. Really good episode. Actually the very first star Trek Voyager episode I ever saw. And it's like what locked me and obsessed me with the show It's a really, really oh, cool. cool episode. So it was neat to see that this is the origin of that.
1: Yeah, this is this part of the movie is what I love. It What I always remember thinking back to it. Uh, it's, it's what hooked me on the movie that basically they have to reason with a bomb to talk it down from exploding, um, which is such a great idea that it's like stuck on its countdown and there's no way that they can like manually turn it off. So they have to try to reason with it to not explode. Just a great, great idea. It's a great
0: idea. It really is. Yeah. Uh, just to, to circle back to the Star Trek. I think... Um, there was a lot of influence from actually Star Trek, the original series in this movie. I think uh, carpenter pulled several things, uh, the beautiful colors in this movie, like it's so, so beautiful. That is a throwback to the original series. Uh, they had beautiful, beautiful colors, painting doorways and hallways, uh, really, really vibrant stuff that I think, um, is utilized here. um, the creature itself actually really reminded me of a creature from the original series, which was called the Horta. And it was just like this lava kind of like blob creature. And even the way that this the creature in Dark Star was painted with like those little like. Right. I don't know what you would call it, but they were almost like, it looked like little like pieces of lava, almost painted around the ball. I feel like okay. they, they yeah, almost yeah. painted it the same way, like the colors were the same. Yeah. So there was that. I thought the cool. humor in the movie was handled in a very similar way to how the original series of Star Trek would do humor. It wasn't in your face. It was more like unintentional or subtle humor. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely found like a lot of connections here. I watched this movie twice. The first time I watched it, I actually had a really hard time grasping the humor because going, right, okay. going in, I had heard it was sci-fi comedy. So I was expecting something a little bit more in your face, maybe perhaps like Spaceballs, and it's nothing like that. So the yeah. second time around, I found a lot of humor in the movie because uh, I kind of like understood the vibe of it and was able to realize these moments are meant to be not even meant to be, but they are funny, just because of what's yeah. what everything that's going on. But the first time watching, I didn't pick up on a lot of stuff, so it was hard to 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 grasp it. But, um, like how do you think the comedy slash sci-fi worked out in this movie? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I would say that um I had the exact same reaction the first time I watched it because, like you you hear sci-fi comedy, you think you think spaceballs. you think like goofy, um and it's completely not what it is. And I think that it balanced it really well because it's trying to do that like office comedy type thing. So, it, like, you know, you think of uh, Office Space that has like just all, all the you you don't really understand the jokes unless you've like been in an office you know then it really they hit a lot harder cuz right. you understand what's going on so the second time i watched it i was like oh yeah okay i get this like this is like just working with the same people for 20 years and doing the same mundane job for 20 years and the comedy just like absolutely is perfect for that and like one of my favorite scenes that i think is so so funny is when they're all having like lunch or dinner And like Pinback is telling this, this long story of how he actually shouldn't be there. And the other two are just arguing about how long it's been since he told that story. And they're both saying four years and they keep saying back and forth four years, but they're arguing about it. Yeah, Like they keep bringing up that I think it was four, actually. I think it was four years. And every time they say four, I just get, it gets funnier and funnier to me. And then uh, like it ends with basically this, when the story ends, the last guy's like, I'm sure it's... It's four years. I'm sure it was four years. It's just so great. It's so
0: funny. <laughs> the best part of that for me is Pinback because he never stops his story. Like they start talking no. over his story yeah. and about how he already yeah. told it and he's telling it and he's laughing. He thinks it's so funny and nobody likes it. And then later in the movie, he goes to a diary session where they're allowed to record like their, their feelings. <laughs> it was very funny because he records one about how... They d- they didn't take him seriously. He was trying to he was trying to do that as a way to like boost morale, and oh, yeah. these other guys they're just not interested in being <laughs> civilized on the ship, and they didn't take him seriously, and they were laughing at him, and he's like almost lodging a formal complaint. Just yeah. it's really really funny, but the first time watching, I didn't understand what the movie was all about. Like you, yeah, you, first time around, I kind of watched it straight up looks like it could just be hard sci-fi but then if you look at it in the comedy aspect it is pretty funny
1: yeah definitely and like um even like them talking about uh like what Talby's first name is you know they're having a conversation like wait what's Talby's first name because I always call him Talby what's his first name and then Doolittle sits there and he's just like what's my first name
0: it's like, <laughs> they I, just I call each that, other actually. by last names <laughs> <that> for
1: so <laughs> They call each other by last names for so long that he doesn't even remember what his first name is. Yeah. It's just, it's such funny
0: stuff. Well, they've got their last name stitched on their suit, so yeah, that's easy exactly. to remember, right? Yeah. yeah. That's really funny. I'll have to look for that on the third viewing. Yeah, there was some other, like, blatantly funny stuff where... uh uh, is it Pinback who goes after the creature? Back, yeah. Yeah, he's got yeah. a broom and he's hitting the creature with a broom and then the creature steals yeah. the broom and starts hitting him with it. Yeah. Um, I loved when he shot it with... Uh, he's got like a, a trank gun or something like that. And this thing's like a giant like beach ball, right? Yeah. And when he shoots yeah. it, it behaves like a beach ball would behave. I just that's think that's place. really smart. Like instead yeah, of trying to great. fool us into something that it's not... This thing flies around the room like all the air is being let out of it. That's yeah, like that's just that's great. That lets me know you're not trying to prove something to me. You're just you're working totally. with what you have, and you're 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 like living within that world in your story. I'm not going yeah, to like like have alien. This, we're not going to have this beach ball and then puncture it and something else happen, right? Yeah, the laws of physics are going to exist in this movie, and I liked it.
1: Yeah, like you used a beach ball to make your alien and obviously everyone can see that and knows that so it behaves like a beach ball (laughs) you know like yeah yeah it's it's just great Mm -hmm. and i really i mean my favorite part of that is pinback explaining to everyone what happened and they like don't give a shit they're just like not talking they're not even listening to him they're just talking about what they're gonna have for lunch and he's like Oh, it must have been like filled with gas. That's so weird. It was filled with gas. I could have died. Like, I did it had <laughs> yeah. I was hanging on the elevator. It could have killed me. I could have died, guys. It was really dangerous and they're like, I sure hope it's not chicken today.
0: Yeah well, that elevator scene was really great as well. It's uh, so good. I just I loved how they shot it. You could tell yeah. they were shooting it in a hallway, changing the yeah, like location of the camera. But it didn't matter. It was just so well done. I tried to picture like me trying to do that even, like trying to set that shot up and do it. It'd be very, very hard. They made it look really, really good. And I think this is where a little bit more of the humor comes in. Uh, They kind of stick with this elevator sequence for far too long. Like yeah, he's hanging on this elevator and like the elevator goes up and stops and the elevator goes up and stops and the elevator goes down and, and it goes up and he's trying to figure out what to do those elevator sequences typically from movies that we see are like really fast paced action sequences. And this was so drawn out. It was this guy trying to like figure out how to free himself from this elevator for like, I don't know, 10 minutes, maybe
1: they kept cutting back
0: and forth to him and he's still stuck in this fucking elevator. Um, Yeah. yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty good. Good scene.
1: Yeah. It's a really good scene. Anything with Pinback in it, which is most of it, is a good scene.
0: Yeah, Pinback also Dolby. I fucking love Dolby. He's my favorite. Just living in another world. Oh, totally. This yeah, guy, totally awesome. I loved his little <laughs> domed shack that he stayed yeah. in all the time. That's where I'd yeah. be. I'd just be up yeah, there watching he's... the stars and everything. It's beautiful.
1: Yes. He's been up in the dome since uh, the captain died. He's not coming down. He doesn't want to come down. He's up in the dome. He says it feels too closed off down there. He's in this <laughs> tiny little dome. It feels too closed off down there, but he can see everything. He can see the stars. It's much more, much more open space for him up there.
0: Whoever tries to get him down, uh, just does a terrible job. You know, the guy's oh, yeah. just, I, can, I can't remember who it was. Maybe Doolittle. But he's like Doolittle. Yeah. You should, uh, you should come down. And Dolby's like, I I like it up here. And Doolittle's like, Well, you should come down and like see see the rest of us. And you should uh, see the rest of the ship. Like that's yeah. your pitch. You want me to come yeah. down to see the rest of the ship? Like that, that's the yeah. reason he's up there is because it looks way better than the rest of the ship, you know?
1: Great. I love it.
0: Now great music, obviously. It was done oh, by yeah. Carpenter. Um yeah. what What really struck me, you know, really early was this, like, folk song that they kicked the movie off with Yeah, when the credits roll. Um, It's called Benson, Arizona. Dude, did I love this track. It was awesome. Yeah, Yeah. It had lyrics written by a Bill Taylor. The music was done by Carpenter, which is really cool. Oh, cool. And it was performed by Carpenter and a few other guys from the crew. Oh, I did not know that. I didn't know it was like their song. Yeah, it's their song. Oh, cool. I I love like, obviously love the synth sound that Carpenter brings in all his movies and in this movie. Which is in this movie. But then he he brings like a folk tune to it as well. Cool. He's so versatile. I couldn't believe it. Great, great song. Great song. And
1: it plays at the end too, right? Like this is the same song that plays at the end. Yeah, awesome.
0: Now, um, yeah, as I mentioned, like the synth sounds, this is what really stands out for me in the movie. Uh, This is what creates this incredible atmosphere, is these uh, sounds that Carpenter's coming up with. This style of music is being utilized by Panos uh, Cosmatos in his works nowadays. Okay, yeah. He's heavily influenced by Carpenter, and I'm even going to say this movie. So I, I knew Carpenter, okay. but I yeah. hadn't seen this movie. Now that I see this movie, this this is a heavy influence for sure. Yeah. um nice. Panos has done Beyond the Black Rainbow. He's done Mandy. And he did um, one of the Cabinet of Curiosity episodes, The Viewing. Uh,
1: okay. The best,
0: the best episode, in my opinion. It's just fucking okay. stellar. Yeah. Uh, he's working on a new movie, which is going to be produced by A24. So I just can't wait for that. Nice. But nice. he's all about... Like deep, deep synth tracks and weird sounds, and those shots that you'll find in this movie where a camera's like moving down a hallway and it's lit so interestingly with like complementary colors. Um, it's not even lit like a normal room, it's like lit intentionally in a weird way. And as the camera's going, the weird synth is playing. You're looking at a door with green light on it, and then on the sides, of the room coming in is red light. So everything kind of like works well together. It's just gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. So cool. uh, a huge fan of, yeah, the, the lighting, their colors, and especially the music in this one.
1: Yeah. And, and as you mentioned the like camera movements, like you can already tell they're not working with a lot here, but they, you can already tell Carpenter's got this cool vision of how he wants to see it look.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Like this vision too, like I can't believe the quality of graphics he brought to this movie. I know. Like, for for a super low budget way back then, Yeah, my goodness, all the computer screens and error error messages, warning messages, all that stuff looked incredible. I couldn't believe it.
1: Yeah, there's like this screen that uh, shows up when they like detonate one of the planets, when they explode one of the planets early on. And it's like they have already zoomed away, like light speed away. And it's got like graphics on it that have like one little box has like the planet blowing up. Another little box beside it has like its success rate. Another little box has like how much of the planet is like left to blow up. And it's like, yeah, it was such a cool breakdown of everything. And it's like this movie was in 74, I think. Like. It's not like everyone just had a personal computer and like knew how to lay out stuff on their screen. It was just so cool to see this so early on.
0: Yeah, I worked with computer graphics in like 2000, maybe 99, yeah. 2000. I would have had a hard time making graphics that look this good. Yeah, part of, that yeah is for be- sure. part of that is that I suck. And the other part is that it's just hard to do. Yeah.
1: No, Tim, you could have <laughs> oh, done cut it. cut it out, Dean. You could do better cut it than no, this movie. No, b-
0: no, no, no. Nobody wants to hear it now. I appreciate that, but it's over. <laughs> um, the effects were cheesy, but I thought that that actually worked with the movie. Like, it, it gave it yeah. um, a very, very campy feel in the best possible way. Um, and what it did for me was it really showed me how much... Sound and visuals are important to me in a movie uh, because the effects in this movie, not great. The story is kind of barely there, but I'm on the edge of my seat for the sound and the visuals I'm getting. I, I could have wa- just watched whatever's going on for 10 hours. I could have watched and if they just shot an entire day of these guys doing something, I could have watched it because everything looked and sounded so beautiful.
1: Yeah, that just that just shows you, like, the total picture that, you know, Carpenter and O'Bannon probably had in mind for this thing. And um, I, I totally agree. Like, the, the effects are not good, but I'm never thinking that when I'm watching the movie. No. I'm never thinking, like, oh, that looked bad. It's not even a thought. Like, I, 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 it, everything looks fine. Everything looks yep. perfectly fine for the movie. Uh, so, yeah, it's just that combination of, like, just the total package. What, the, what they're giving us, everything's fitting and everything's really working.
0: Yeah, the ship itself, the Dark Star, looks great. Great. I'm a big fan of ships look like they're supposed to be small and then it turns out that yeah. they're actually a lot bigger than they look. Like this yeah, looked definitely. like a shuttle to me with just maybe yeah. there's there's enough room for the guys and maybe one additional room. They yeah. they go so many different places in this ship. So cool. Uh The commander who's dead and frozen? Right. Yeah. Just one of the greatest parts of this movie. Like, so funny. This is the type of character in a movie that you will never forget. Like, yeah. I will forever remember this movie and this character for just yeah. how visually appealing it was. The lines, <laughs> the lines it's delivering. Very funny. Uh, what did you think of the commander? Who's deceased, and it's basically in cryo, but they'll go yeah. to it from time to time for advice and it's still like they've hooked into its brain so it can talk like through a computer or something and it's like its personality is great. They, they must've been so so devastated when the captain died. He was so charismatic and so funny and so charming that I, no wonder these guys were so depressed after he died. He was the life of the party.
1: Definitely, and like you don't get the commander, you don't really know that they can talk to him and like tap into him till I don't know ten to fifteen minutes left in the movie, and you needed that build up of all the jokes and all the dry (laughs) dark comedy that was coming up to that point for this to totally pay off, and and so like they're in a time crunch and they hook up to him because they got to ask him the question, what do they do with this bomb, and he's like this frozen brain that they're trying to talk to, and he's just like. Uh, how are the Dodgers doing? <laughs> and then like trying to think of a word because he's like frozen, he can't think of a word. So he's just like, wait, hold on a second. You know, I lost my train of thought. I'm I did. I'm not exactly sure what I wanted to say. Just give me a second. And there's like a timer ticking down where they're going to explode in like eight minutes. So it's just like, it, yeah, such a great payoff to this point uh, where I think if you have this earlier, it, it doesn't it doesn't hit as hard until you like get all the way through this movie and know what kind of movie you're in. And then it just like is so fun. This guy's so fun at the end of it. You just, you, you love him. You want him to keep talking. Yeah. You don't want him to leave. You want him to keep stalling and yeah. And just continue
0: on in the scene. Yeah. It's great. It would have been great to have him like as a character throughout the entire movie, but this end sequence here hits harder with him not being in it, but I would have just loved to have seen more of him. Yeah, for sure. Why do you always come and talk to me when you got a problem? <laughs> That's, <so funny. laughs> That's the only time they talk to him. He just wants like more conversation. He'd love more visits, but they only talk yeah. to him when there's trouble. And he like because he's the smart one, so he can help. Yeah,
1: yeah he's sad. He's sad that that he didn't just come to chat. The Doolittle <laughs> didn't just come to chat. He came with a problem.
0: It's great. Yeah. Oh man. Um, I absolutely loved the ending sequence. You have this bomb that, you know, they set it up early in the movie. It blows up a planet. That's what these guys are out doing is they're like clearing a path for humanity to then follow and colonize. But, you know, along the way, they're getting rid of planets that don't work. They're getting rid of phenomena like, uh, that could cause problems as well. They're trying to just blow up whatever they can. So we see the damage that this bomb can do. Then the ship travels through an asteroid uh, field. We see the bomb get damaged and it starts malfunctioning. And the ship's computer is trying to like explain to it what's going on. And eventually they get to the point where the bomb is going to detonate because it thinks it's been launched, but it's still attached to the ship. And they, yeah. they have to deal with that. And the bomb's hilarious, too. Like, one of the best characters of the movie is this bomb. For sure. Very funny yeah. as well, <laughs> you know?
1: It's getting more increasingly and increasingly more frustrated because it thinks it's the malfunction is making it deploy. So it keeps like dropping down, getting ready to launch. And then the computer's like, no, 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 that's a malfunction. Go back. And the bomb's like, no, I was told to drop. So I'm going to drop like I'm going to I'm here. I'm supposed to be here. And I was told. And then like the computer just keeps going, no, that you're not supposed to and then the bomb, you know, goes, "Okay, but this is the last time." And so then that sets up that then the next time that they're trying to tell it not to blow up, it's like, "No way. No way. You told me to blow up. I got the signal to blow up, so I'm going to do it. I'm done going back on my orders."
0: Yeah, it sort of like ends up coming to terms with its own existence. Yeah. Which was neat so and it actually like yeah. is able to determine for itself what it thinks it is. And then yeah. it it, it just it ends up detonating itself because it sort of thinks like maybe it's like the the creation of something like a big bang scenario or something like that and it ends up blowing up and it blows up the ship with it
1: yeah Doolittle talks it down by sort of getting it to question its existence but then in that it, it says okay yeah i need to think about this for a little longer and so it doesn't blow up but then after you know a little bit of time of thinking of it it's like I am the creator. I am the the Big Bang. <laughs> yeah. So it says, "Let there be light," and it explodes and blows up. Uh, it blows up Pinback and uh, Boiler, who are still on the ship,
0: fighting, fighting each other. Yeah, yeah, they're fighting. Now I like that because they're kind of fighting in the face of death. Like they they For think sure, the yeah. ship's gonna blow up. They've kind of had problems with each other recently, and now they're just fighting. I love how those yeah. two broke down and. They're the only ones left on the ship. The other two are outside of the ship. So the <laughs> ship blows up. Those two die, but you have two yeah. on the outside. And this was great. You know, <laughs> great ending. <laughs> You've got the Phoenix asteroid, yeah. which I thought was tremendous. So I yeah. believe Pinback gets absorbed into the Phoenix asteroid?
1: No, pin- Pinback's blown up on the ship. It's Talby.
0: Okay. Was it Talby? What did yeah. I call him before? I didn't call him that. I called him Darby or something. Oh, oh, you might have said Dalby. Oh, Dalby. I think um, I called him. Dalby. Yeah, but it's
1: it, it's Talby. And the way he gets out of the ship is hilarious because yeah. he's in the airlock, and they open the airlock for Doolittle to get back in, and then Talby just goes shooting out because he was in the airlock, and then pin back and boiler on the ship, and they're like that Talby, he's weird. He made a we- <laughs> he like made he a weird saying...
0: sound too as he was getting
1: sucked out. He was like, yeah.
0: wee. <laughs> wee! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: so, but they call him weird for getting shot into space. It's like, <laughs> you're the one that opened the airlock. He was just in
0: there. Uh, yeah. So he does get caught in the asteroid, goes, yeah. which is perfect because he was the one who was in the dome looking yeah. out and telling Doolittle about the Phoenix asteroid and how it just exactly, travels yeah. around the galaxy. It just circles the galaxy. And he ends up sort of becoming one with that uh, Phoenix asteroid and we're left yeah. to believe that he's just going to be traveling the galaxy as part of that asteroid for the rest of his existence. It was beautiful. And and he loves it. Yeah, it was a great end for him. Yeah, and then Doolittle um he's being flung towards a planet and he's going to burn yeah. up in the atmosphere. And I think his ending was equally as happy because they've already set up if if Doolittle could do one more thing or if he could do anything, it would just be to surf one more time. Yeah. He really misses it. He really misses it. He mentions it a few times in the movie. He finds a piece of debris from the ship and he's going to surf into the planet and maybe he disintegrates. Maybe not. Maybe that's the heat shield he needs. Who knows? Yeah. But he was happy. He's like, I found what I need. And he gets up on that thing and he's fucking surfing in space. Another funny moment. Yeah. And heads towards that planet. So those two guys die in a happy note. The other guys, not so much, but I really, really loved that end sequence. And then they play you out with yep. that song again, Benson, Arizona. I'm so happy by the end of this. It's so great. It's great. Yeah, it's great.
1: Um, if he died or if he didn't, it doesn't really matter. It's one of those movies. You're already happy with Talby. He's flown off and you're like, oh, that's a good end for him. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so funny that he gets to surf down onto the planet. It's a great end to this movie.
0: Yes, definitely. I'm a huge fan of this one. Uh, I'm so glad that we decided to cover it. Yeah. I don't own it, but I definitely would like to. I'm I don't I feel like maybe I'm holding out for the four K. I don't know.
1: Yeah. It's maybe. got a
0: release on every other platform, so maybe a four K will yeah. be coming. Who knows?
1: Maybe. But cool.
0: Yeah, uh I definitely recommend that one. Highly. Yeah, really, great. really interesting movie. Uh hey everyone listening. If you'd like to help support us here at Talking Back, we'd love that. You can uh, tell your friends about talking back. Tell them about an episode. You can uh, be a patron. We've got lots of fun stuff going over on Patreon. And uh, now that this episode's over, don't worry. You can wipe the sweat off your brow and head over to BFOPnetwork.com for more amazing nostalgia based podcasts. Dean, thank you for joining. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you next time.